You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yo, yo, what is up? What is up? You are listening to Locked On NBA Draft, and this is your host, Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies and the director of scouting for NBA Big Board. And this is an exciting day. It is the first day of the 2022 NCAA tournament. Well, I guess technically there were some games last night, but this is the day where Everybody is tuned in. I know some of you guys are probably going to be super unproductive at work today. If you're working from the office, and if you're working from home, then I know you're probably just sitting there with the TV on, doing a little bit of work, just a bare minimum, because this is like probably one of the most unproductive days for men in the work calendar. I know when I was a kid, I could not even pay attention in school. We didn't even have cell phones like that. So it's kind of like, You had to wait until you got home to find out the scores unless somebody else found it out or maybe like the PE teacher had the TV going in the background. But I remember being young and printing out my bracket and and so on. So this is always like a, a huge, huge day. So what I've done today is I've decided to do a Q&A or mailbag episode because I've been getting a lot of questions in my direct messages on whether it's in my email, whether it's on Twitter, even on YouTube. And what I've done is I've made it the NCAA Tournament Q&A mailbag. There's so many questions about how can this particular prospect help his draft stock and this guy move into the first round. So I just decided to break them all up into some of the regions and just answer the questions to the best of my ability all right, let's get started. Okay, the first question is, and of course, this is probably the matchup everybody wants to see. I've been on a couple other podcasts talking about this matchup. It is the potential Duke versus Gonzaga rematch in the Elite Eight. I think this game will have, I mean, I don't know, it may even be more watched or bigger than a Final Four matchup. This was a huge game coming into the season. I remember being in Barcelona and getting up at like 2 o'clock in the morning to watch the game. I mean, I'm half asleep, trying to take naps during timeouts. And it was the matchup that, I mean, it was the highlight of the non-conference schedule. You had Chet Holmgren versus Paolo Bancaro, who at the time were 1-2 and two on most big boards and mock drafts. And then, you know, Jabari Smith has, has come in and, and, and kind of mixed it up a little bit. And in that game, I thought, I shouldn't even say I thought, Bancaro got the best of Chet Holmgren. Bancaro was aggressive. I mean, he came out firing, almost like he took it personal. And then he dealt with some cramping issues. I don't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but I felt like he had like 18 in the first half and only finished with four in the second half. Chet had a good game on paper, but he just did not have the same impact that Bancaro had. And Bancaro got off to a hot start in the the champions classic so Ben Carroll has been number one on my board since I personally feel like Duke has taken away some of his ball handling responsibilities since then they have a point guard by committee situation going there and you know I'm, I'm high on Ben Carroll he is numero one 
I was back to the question, who wins the game? I have Duke winning the game again. And then as far as the individual matchups, it's going to be crazy because, you know, we could be in a situation where we're looking to see Chet versus Bancaro again, like expecting this duel and this great matchup. And it could end up being a situation where Drew Timmy scores 30 points or A.J. Griffin gets hot and scores 27. I think overall it's going to be a good game loaded with NBA prospects. Mark Williams could – I mean, I feel like Mark Williams made a big name for himself in that game earlier this year. I mean, he was I mean, just all over the place. I mean, his length I felt like kind of bothered Drew Timmy a little bit. I think he blocked like four or five shots that game. So that's going to be a great game. It sucks because – they're in the same region. I would have loved to seen that particular matchup in the Final Four or for the NCAA tournament or championship. But overall, I think that I think that Drew Timmy is going to end up being the the player that has the best game out of all the guys, just because you know it's it's a college basketball game. Not not and Drew Timmy is to me the best college basketball player of the bunch. Not necessarily the best NBA prospect. All right, the next question is. Thoughts on a possible Chet versus Jalen Duran matchup in the second round? I think that would be a interesting matchup. Could it help Duran? Yes, but that's a game where I could actually see him not having a monster performance just because with Gonzaga's length. And Memphis already has a hard time getting him the ball as is. He ends up getting most of his points off of offensive rebounds and just hustle plays. So... Unless it's just a, and I mean, Gonzaga does play fast. Unless it's just an up and down game where he's getting points in transition or his teammates are missing shots and he's getting off into rebounds, I really don't see him thriving in, in that particular matchup just because Gonzaga has the length. And uh, but it, it will be interesting because you got like this man child in Duran with muscles coming from everywhere. Then you got this skinny 195 pound Chet trying to guard him but I just think with Chet's length it's going to be hard for Memphis to get the angles to to get Durant some post touches all right another question man Gonzaga is dominating these questions can Jalen Williams improve his draft stock if Arkansas meets Gonzaga in the Sweet 16 definitely definitely that is a game that Jalen Williams probably has circled or quietly circled on his calendar you don't want to look too far ahead, but that could be like a really big coming out party if he has a good game. Only thing I would like to see is him be a little bit more aggressive. He has a tendency to, I don't want to say be passive, but he has a tendency to to not be as assertive as I would like him to be. I think he is really talented and skilled. I mean, he can shoot a little bit. He can put the ball on the floor. He's a very good passer. But, I mean, yeah, I think if he has a... Let's say he has a 12-point, 10-rebound, 5-assist game where he knocks down a 3 in place of good defense. I think that can really position him to be a first-round pick. I mean, right now, I think between picks 15 through 35, I think it's wide open. And a guy like Jalen Williams could, you know, be 17th or he can go 35th. I don't know. I mean, it's just so wide open. And I do think the tournament will have – will help some guys. But, of course – which is so weird about the NBA draft now. Guys' draft stock can improve without playing. I mean, we see it all the time during workouts. All right. The question here is, do you think Ho Jung Lee 
can have a breakout game and help Davidson upset Michigan State, setting up a matchup versus Duke. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, Ho Jung Lee has been labeled the Korean Clay Thompson. He's a really good shooter. Shot over 40% from three last year. He's down to about 37% this year. He is someone that, even though he is a good shooter, he's someone that is more than a shooter, in my opinion. He can put the ball on the floor. Not not necessarily like put the ball on the floor and attack the rim, but he does have a, a pull-up game, and he has the length to shoot over the top of defenders. And he's someone that can get hot. And if he gets hot, he can help Davidson upset Michigan State. And then the matchup with Duke would be would be pretty good there. But uh, I don't see them beating Duke. But I can see them beating Michigan State. And uh, Ho Jung Lee versus Max Christie matchup would be pretty interesting for NBA scouts. All right, the last question of this segment. And it is back to a Duke, <laughs> even Gonzaga Duke-related question in a sense. All right, the question is, if Alabama meets Duke in the Sweet 16 and J.D. Davison has a performance similar to his game against Gonzaga earlier in the season, would that be high enough to lock him in as a first-rounder? And the answer to that question, in my opinion, is yes. J.D. Davison has the type of explosiveness and athleticism that could really change and impact the game. And if he has a strong NCAA tournament, and if he plays like he did in Gonzaga versus Gonzaga, and that game was actually in Seattle, so it's kind of like a, a road game. Not, not well, not necessarily a true home game for Gonzaga, but it was definitely a, a a hostile environment in a sense for Alabama. And I think that game showed he is capable of. I mean, the shooting is a little bit streaky, but his athleticism and energy. Yes, I, I do think so. I think Davison is someone that uh, a strong NCAA tournament could, could definitely help him out because he is that type of athlete. And you have to, at least for me, I imagine him in NBA spacing. And I think with him in NBA spacing, I think that he could really be something special. All right, when we return, I'll finish answering some of the questions. I got a whole bunch. I got to try to squeeze them in. But I want to talk to you about athletic greens and i just got my box i came from europe i had been overseas for for those that have been following and my wife sent me a text talking about you got a box in the mail i'm like i didn't order anything because i do order stuff from amazon but i always order when i know i'm going to be back home did not realize i was getting a box from athletic greens and so i remember hearing about it and my wife actually told me that she saw the commercial for it and she wanted to try it herself but she's not going to try it now because she's pregnant so more for me and i got back on friday and i started taking the athletic greens on saturday and it's been good it has been good and so you're probably asking me okay what is athletic greens it is just this i don't know basically i've just been taking one scoop and it's very it, i mean it tastes good and what I've been told is that I am absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. And so far, it has helped me start my day right. The special blend of ingredients is good for my gut health, my nervous system, immune system is good for energy, recovery, focus, and aging. Even though I feel like I'm aging well, but if this can help me even age even better, it's definitely worth it. The healthy facts are it's lifestyle friendly. 
And whether a person eats keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, this contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything. While it still tastes good, it supports better sleep quality and recovery, which is something that I need because I am still jet-lagged. Jet lag plus daylight saving time is it's a bad combination on top of all the work that I have to do. And Athletic Green supports mental clarity and alertness. It is one of the best things about Athletic Greens is, again, the mental clarity and alertness. And it uses the best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. Now, if you want to try it out, actually, you know what? I, don't need, I shouldn't even ask you if you want to try it out. I am going to demand you try it out. And when you do, to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NBA Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NBA Network. Do this to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, once again, thank you so much for making Locked On NBA Draft your first listen of the day. Now, I want you to check out the Locked On Now podcast. It has nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. It is free, and it is available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, once again, this is Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies and the Director of Scouting for NBA Big Board. Now I'm going to answer some questions that I have divided up into the East region. And the first question is, Marquette is going to beat North Carolina. I'm actually thinking about going to that game. i got a couple hours to decide. It's in Fort Worth. I'm in Dallas right now. I'm thinking about going to that game. But back to the question. Marquette is going to beat North Carolina, setting up a second-round game versus Baylor. Justin Lewis will outplay Kendall Brown. Will that be enough to get him drafted higher? Brown is only a better athlete, but that is it. Lewis is the better player. Well, it wasn't necessarily a question, but I get the guy's point. Lewis is, I mean, he has better numbers. Now, he's not splitting as many touches. He is more assertive than Kendall Brown. Now, you are right. Kendall Brown is a phenomenal athlete, arguably the best athlete in this class. But I can see the point. I can see a matchup where Lewis gets the better of Kendall Brown. Lewis is going to score more. He may grab more rebounds. And Brown and his teammate Jeremy Sohan are two guys that I could see in a situation scoring 22 points combined. Or if they only score 10 points combined, I would not be stunned there. I mean, the Baylor guys are playing in such a team-oriented system that... They, you know, you go by their flashes of athleticism and, and, you know, just like the glimpses of potential. But no, you're not likely to see one of those guys go off for like 25 or 30 points. So, yes, I can see your point that Justin Lewis will outplay Kendall Brown. I don't know if this is just a shot at Kendall Brown. Lewis may be the better college basketball player, but, you know, when we're talking about the NBA draft, we're talking about upside. But Lewis is very intriguing with his size, and he's a good athlete. He's improved his shooting. Just, man, I mean, when I see, like, this dude is, like, 6'7", like, 235 or something like that, I mean, 
he's someone that I would love to like have an NBA team develop because with his size and his length and, and, and just his potential, I mean, he could end up being like a really versatile weapon that could, um, you know, be a high-impact rotational player. All right, next question. Caleb Love is so underrated. What is it going to take to get him a first-round grade in a weak point guard class? That's that's true. I mean, I, I do think Caleb Love is underrated. I think that people are still so down on him because of his performance as a freshman. But he's done everything that you need to do, in my opinion, to uh, to get himself in that position. He has improved since his freshman year, but I don't know if there's anything he can do to get him a first-round grade unless he pushes North Carolina to a deep, deep tournament run, which, I mean, you know, the tournament is so unpredictable. All someone needs to do, whether it's a player or a team, get hot at the right time. Now, first-round grade, I don't know. Again, but if he plays well, it's not out of the question because, like I said earlier, I don't think there's much of a, a gap between picks 15 to 35 and I don't even know if he's even in the 35 range on most draft boards. All right, this is not necessarily a question, but Trace Jackson Davis will lead Indiana past UCLA. Well, the thing about the tournament is you got to get past the first round first. I know it's natural to look ahead, but we all know upsets happen every year. Sometimes they happen within the first four hours of the opening Thursday. So I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but... I mean, if if Trace Jackson Davis does lead Indiana past UCLA, that will be a, one of the bigger upsets, at least in my opinion. All right, next question: Are there any matchups you are looking for? Are there? This is red wrong. Are there any matchups you are looking forward to more than others in the East? And yes, um, San Francisco versus Murray State, I think, is a good matchup between some guards that I don't. Well, you know. I think they're NBA prospects, but I like Jamari Bouye. He is, I mean, he is fun to watch. And, and I mean, from the fan in me perspective, he gets buckets. He has the offensive creativity. He's a little bit older, so I don't think that he'll get drafted. But he is a player that I could see going to the G League next year and putting up 20 points per game and being one of the top players in the G League. And then it may lead to a long career overseas. But he's very talented, gets buckets. Small guard, and then I think he's like 22 or 23, which is not what the NBA teams are looking for. But he is a definite NBA prospect. All right, next question. Purdue versus Kentucky. Again, this is a person who is looking ahead. Which big man NBA prospect will have the best performance? Ooh, that's a good question. And then it goes on to say, if all goes well, we'll get Ty Ty versus Jaden Ivey. Now, that's, that is probably one of the most underrated matchups if it does happen. Everybody's talking about, you know, uh, Duke and Gonzaga. But Purdue and Kentucky would be good because you have three NBA prospects, bigs, I mean, and they're all kind of traditional in a sense. Nobody's out there really stretching the floor. And it could wear Oscar the Grouch is what I want to call him because he is like, I mean, if you want to – have a player watch film on a guy that is going to make a living as a rebounder. Just watch Oscar Tshiboy play. He is a crazy rebounder. I mean, he literally grabs rebounds like it is 
money coming off the rim. And Kawhi says Boardman gets paid, and I think that's what's going to help him get paid. But that'll be an interesting matchup because he's going to have to deal with the size of Zach Eady, who's like 7'4", probably 300 pounds. And then once, you know, Eady's kind of wearing him down, then you got Travion Williams. It's going to be a very, very good matchup. And then, of course, Ty Ty Washington versus Jaden Ivey. And this person also goes on to say, now this is clear that he's a Kentucky fan, but he says Ty Ty is going to show he's the best guard in the draft. Now, honestly, I don't know if there's anything that Ty Ty Washington can do to pass Jaden Ivey unless he puts up 28 and 17, you know, like he had a, I want to say like a 10 for 13 shooting game versus Tennessee earlier in the year. Then he had like a 17.17 assist game against Georgia. Now, if he can combine those performances throughout the tournament, then maybe. But I don't think there's anything that he can do to pass Jaden Ivey as the, the top guard selected in this draft. All right. When we return, I'll talk to you about more of the questions. I'll answer more of the questions, but I want to talk to you right now about Bet Online because it is that time of year again. The college basketball NCAA tournament is finally upon us. It is depending on when you listen to this, but as of right now, it is just a few hours away. And for all the latest odds, contests, and player props, BetOnline.net is the number one source for all of your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it is not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. So head to the website today. Or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online is where the game starts. And remember, betonline.net. All right, wrapping up this last segment. And it seems like all of the questions were from the East <laughs> and the bracket with Gonzaga and, and Duke. But there's a few. All right, here's a question from the South. David Roddy is one of the best players in the nation that nobody talks about. If Colorado State beats Michigan and Tennessee and he plays well, can that lock him in as a lottery pick? I do not know. But here's something that I brought up in a couple of podcasts I did yesterday. All right. Now, just just listen to me. You may think I'm a little bit crazy here, but just hear me out before you make your opinion about me being crazy. David Roddy could have a great performance in the NCAA tournament. Let's say Colorado does beat Michigan. Colorado State. Ooh, don't want to get that mixed up. Let's say Colorado State does beat Michigan and Tennessee. I think it would help him as an NFL draft pick more than an NBA draft pick. NFL scouts have to be looking at his size, his body, his feet, and think like, I can turn him into Antonio Gates, or I could turn him into a defensive end. And the reason I say this is because you look at Mark Vital from last year from Baylor. Mark is, and I, and I know Mark, I've known Mark since he was in high school. Mark was always like this glue guy that played winning basketball, whether it was high school, AU, Baylor, national championship, just a great athlete, um, good feet. And definitely not as skilled as David Roddy, 
Mark played in the NBA Summer League this summer, and now he is with the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, with Roddy, even though Roddy is definitely more skilled on, on the basketball floor, Roddy, to me, is more fluid than Mark. Mark was always a vertical athlete. Now, he could definitely move his feet and defend, but Mark is, or Roddy is more fluid to me in the hips. And if Mark can play for the can, well, he's you know being developed by the Chiefs. And we've seen cases where NFL scouts are looking for college basketball players, and the prototype they're looking for is like guys that are like six five, six six, good hands, fluid hips. Somebody may draft him high in the draft, and it may kind of throw a monkey wrench in his in his NBA plans because he has a background playing football. But that's just, you know, me going on a tangent there. But, yeah, I, I don't know if he'll be a lottery pick based off of his performance, but he has been impressive this year. I mean, he's a shot creator. He can shoot. He can pass. But it's going to be interesting to see how many NFL scouts will be watching David Roddy. All right, next question is who will be the first Ohio State player selected in the draft. If you would have asked me that question three months ago, I would have been like, E.J. Liddell. But now, with the emergence of Malachi Branham, it's a toss-up. You know, Branham is younger, and, you know, there's like a, I don't know what the word, but, I mean, there is, you know, more intrigue with younger players with a smaller sample size. So, I could see Brandon being selected higher. All right, what are your thoughts on Mike Miles? Should he enter the draft or stay another year? Oh, I think Mike Miles should at least test the waters. He he does have some issues with efficiency. He's not the most efficient guy from the floor. I've actually been following Mike Miles since he was like six years old. And the, you're probably like, what? And the reason, if you go on YouTube and you type in his name, there's this video when he was probably... I don't know, six or seven years old. It was probably one of the most incredible highlight tapes I've seen from a player that age. Now, when it when the video came out, I, I want to say it was like 2012, 13 maybe, something like that. This was like one of the first videos that I remember of its kind on YouTube where you saw like this elementary school kid who was miles and miles no pun intended, ahead of his peers on the basketball court, and Miles was. It probably has like 5 million views or something like that. Now, but if you look closely in the video, Cade Cunningham was his teammate. Cade Cunningham is one of the guys on his team that is just playing, or, uh, he's just a role player, but Miles was incredible at such an early age, and you know, everybody at that time felt like, oh, God, this guy's a definite NBA player. And he's on track. He could be a few months from now. But I think he should definitely test the waters, see what the feedback is. Um, a good tournament, you know, maybe a good game against Arizona could help him out. A strong, you know, tournament or taking TCU on a, you know, two or three games. Two, you know, if they win two or three games, that could be big for him. But, again, I don't know if he – is going to get drafted. All right, the well, the last couple of questions is Arizona versus Ohio State to get to the Final Four. Who do you got winning, and who is the best prospect? Um, that, that's that that's a good question. I mean, I think right now it's clear that Benedict Matherin will, will be the first player selected out of 
the NBA draft prospects from Arizona and Ohio State, and I don't think there's really anything that can change that. All right, the next question is, and, I, and I'll, I'll, I'll wrap it up. I'll start to wrap it up here. Can Kansas get two players drafted in the first round? Does a good tournament help Agbaji and a bad tournament drop him out of the first round? If Christian Brown has a good tournament, can he be the first KU player selected? Oh, yeah. I think with, with Baji, I wasn't expecting to say, oh, yeah. I think with Agbaji, he has kind of cooled off a little bit. And um, maybe he's cooled off since I wrote this article comparing him to the next Desmond Bain. My bad if, if that's the case, if I jinxed him. But I think if he does have a good tournament and Kansas has a deep run, then he can, you know, really, really secure his spot as a mid first rounder just because he has the physical tools, the athleticism, the shooting, and he projects to be like a plug and play rotation guy so i think it can help him out now if he has like a really bad tournament i know he had a game a few days a few weeks ago maybe where he shot he just had a rough shooting night and it just brought his percentages down and i can't think of the stats off the top of my head maybe it was against texas tech anyway if he has multiple games like that or kansas loses in the first round or in the second round and he has like a three four fourteen game then i, I do think that will hurt him despite the fact that he'd have at least 115 games of film on his resume that scouts would have to I mean they should know him by now but you know when when you're a senior sometimes it works against you now the next question about Christian Brown if he has a good tournament can he be the first KU player selected yes because he's younger there's more intrigue with guys that are younger even though he is a junior He's kind of like a new prospect in a sense because he is a totally different player than he was his first two years. His first two years at Kansas, he was kind of like a guy that just kind of shot threes. He was more like a specialist. And then this year, he's developed into this well-rounded, all-around weapon that rebounds, defends. I mean, we knew he was a good athlete, but he is like a phenomenal transition finisher. He's got a couple dunks, highlight reel dunks in transition and then he's still shooting a good percentage from three. I think he's a, a really good three-point shooter. Maybe not great. You know, like, he's not like a 40% shooter from three. But a good tournament can't help him out. All right, last two questions. What does Johnny Davis need to do in this tournament to pass Jaden Ivey? I think Davis is better. He outplayed him in their first matchup. You're right. He did outplay him. I don't know if there's anything that he can do to pass Jaden Ivey simply because... You look at Ivy's game and say it's a more seamless fit to NBA basketball than Johnny Davis. I think Johnny Davis kind of has an old school 1990s game where he likes to post up. But I love his motor. I love how he rebounds. I mean, he out-rebounds bigs. I mean, there are guys that are top 10 prospects that are front court players that do not average as many rebounds as Johnny Davis. Can't question his motor and how hard he plays. But I just think that there are some concerns because he's only like a 31% shooter from three. He's more so of a reluctant shooter from three. And he relies heavily on contested mid-range shots. So I think fit is the reason why he doesn't have a chance, at least in my opinion, of passing Jaden Ivey. I think Ivey has solidified himself that even if he has a, you know, a, a tournament where he shoots below 40% from the floor, I still think that he is a top five pick regardless. 
All right, this is the last question, and this is a good one. A possible Keegan Murray versus Jabari Smith matchup hasn't been talked about enough. Who wins that matchup? I am going to go with Keegan Murray. I am going to. You know, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Keegan Murray has this Carmelo Anthony type NCAA tournament run. I know Anthony was a freshman, and he won the whole thing. I don't know if Iowa can win the whole thing, but I personally have Iowa going to the NCAA tournament championship game because I think Murray is going to just have a phenomenal run. I mean, he is a matchup problem on the college level. How do you want it? Like the old Tupac song. You want it inside? Bucket. You want it outside? Shot 40% from three. And... The majority of his points this season came in transition. He is just an absolute nightmare to defend and match up against or game plan against on the college level because he does it all. Now, I think that he may win the matchup simply because he's going to get the most touches. He is Iowa. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like Jabari is he, Jabari is a huge, huge, huge part of Auburn's success. But Keegan Murray is the first, second, third. He he basically is Iowa. So I think in that situation, um, it can't work against him because you're gonna have the whole, you know, game plan set to stop him. But I think that Keegan Murray is just, in, in in my opinion, just an unstoppable player on the college level. And then Jabari is, you know, I think Jabari is gonna have a, a a good game. But again, we're way ahead of ourselves. But no matter what happens. Even if Keegan Murray leads Iowa to the NCAA championship and averages 23 and 10 and two blocks and a steal, I still think it's going to be tough for him to pass Jabari Smith in the draft. I think the highest Murray can put himself is, is, is at four. I think that's the very, very highest. No matter what he does, I think that's the highest he'll end up. And I think the lowest, the absolute lowest you'll see Jabari Smith is at four. So I don't think that Murray can pass him, but I do think he would probably outplay him in a matchup. Well, that wraps up this episode. I had fun answering the questions. I love the mailbag. I, actually, if I could do mailbag once a week, I would do it. Stay tuned. I might be able to make that happen. Now, thank you for making Locked On NBA Draft your first listen of the day. Now, check out Locked On NBA. The Locked On experts will be covering the biggest stories around the NBA every Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. It is free, and it is available wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, this is Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies and the new director of scouting for NBA Big Board. Can't wait to talk more NCAA tournament with you on Monday. And I am out.